You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The changes the changes we need to make are, are not with the core players. The changes we need to make are, are other players on the team, okay? And it could end up being core players. You know, when I came here, I knew it was going to be a big challenge. And I thought, you know, we're going to have to do minor surgery. Well, to answer your question, have I changed my position? Yeah, we have to do major surgery. Canucks president, hockey operations, Jim Rutherford yesterday speaking, or two days ago speaking uh, during a press conference uh, regarding some other issues with Tanner Pearson and his ongoing injuries, the state of the Canucks franchise. Uh, and we're going to dive into that right now. Uh, welcome to the Hour 4 of the Big Show. I'm Patrick Dumas, Alex Brody along with me. And we go down that Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to be joined by Canucks Talk co-host from Sportsnet 650, the fan out in Vancouver, Jamie Dodd. How are you, Jamie, this morning? I'm doing very well. How are you guys? I'm doing all right, buddy. I'm doing all right. Uh, so, yeah, well, I mean, it's the big uh, the big elephant in the room, obviously, about 48 hours ago, uh, the, the big press conference there in Vancouver with Jim Rutherford. And, whoa, that was, that was a spicy one. Yes, it sure was. I was. Uh, we, we've had spicy moments before with Jim Rutherford here in Vancouver. I mean, he's only been on the job about 13 months at this point, but that was. Uh, it felt like really the first just unfiltered Jim Rutherford experience mm-hmm. we've had in Vancouver. Yeah, and like go into that. Maybe if if somebody didn't catch it uh, right away, like it was all about like Tanner Pearson. He had had some issues with his hand. It was originally supposed to be, I believe, only a four to six week injury. Now it's turned to a season-ending injury. Can we just uh, go into uh, what's going on with the with the Tanner Pearson story? Yeah, well, I mean that's interesting because that was the whole reason the press conference yeah. was called on Monday, and then the the initial part of the press conference was about the Tanner Pearson situation and they had uh, a team physician there and then another uh, person who's kind of a consultant uh, for the medical side of the team. But what was interesting about that was just there was very, very little information they were willing to publicly provide. And, you know, they cited privacy laws in Canada, but at the same time, as you know, I mean, we, we regularly get information about injuries about players. So that was a little surprising. I mean, really, I'm just going, mostly we're just going off what, you know, Elliot Friedman and others like that are reporting, which is that there are several setbacks of Tanner Pearson was supposed to be a four to six week injury. There might be an infection of some sort in play. And it sounds like he's going to have one, at least one more procedure or surgery, if not two out for this season. And even his status for next season is in doubt. And that's all speculative to a degree. Again, that's what we're hearing Elliot Friedman and others report. Mm -hmm. There were no more details on it. And that was a little bit surprising, right? It felt very much like, why did you call this press conference if you weren't prepared to give us any more details than than what they were able to give? So on Tanner Pearson, really, I mean, we're kind of guessing. And it's something that's going to play out. It sounds like the PA and the league are going to be involved. So it's not, it's certainly not going to be the last we hear about this story, but right now there's a lot of questions. There's not a lot of answers on Tanner Pearson. One of the questions that was asked during that press conference was like, how does this uh, affect Vancouver league wide in, in a visual aspect? Like, like players talk obviously. And like, like obviously, I mean, some of the Canucks players are, were obviously disappointed with how this whole uh, Tanner Pearson situation was handled. And obviously we have Thatcher Demko's injury, which, now it seems to be dragging on a little bit longer. Is there like more of a concern, in your opinion, uh, from how the league around players around the league view Vancouver? 
Well, the way I would look at the Tanner Pearson thing is it's just kind of, uh, it's another log on the fire for mm-hmm. that, right? Because it has not been, it's, it hasn't been quiet around Vancouver for a long time, right? And sometimes going back to last year, you know, the noise around Vancouver when Bruce Boudreau came in, it was, it was positive, right? It's, mm-hmm. hey, Bruce Boudreau has got this team playing really well and they're having fun there and that's great. But this year, it's been a lot of very negative noise. And I would even look at, you know, what's playing out with Bruce Boudreau and the fact that, Jim Rutherford confirmed he's been talking to potential replacements for Bruce Boudreaux, and everyone seems to know where this is going, and it's just a matter of time, and yet Boudreaux's still the coach, and he's still being put out there every day to, to answer questions, and he's been put in a very difficult position. So, you know, it's hard for me to say how the Tanner Pearson situation specifically is going to impact how players look at the Canucks. I mean, every player, every ex-player will tell you how incredibly seriously they take their health, right? And their body and their ability to Mm -hmm. play the sport to do their job. So certainly you want to do everything you possibly can to make sure that not just your players, but players around the league have confidence in your medical staff. But the way I look at it is it's just kind of another bad news story that the Canucks don't need, didn't need this year. Not at all. Uh, I, I, I guess I'm trying to say like with Bruce Boudreaux, like this, he's been, like a guy who will never really, he'll never go out in the media and he'll attack. He'll never attack it. If somebody's attacking him, he'll just stay calm. He'll talk about the team himself. Like, do you get a sense with, with how Bruce Boudreaux's feeling with, uh, with the way the state of the team is right now? Yeah. I mean, he, again, as you said, he's not going to come out and say it. I mean, he will, he will allude to how difficult losing is mm-hmm. certainly and how much of a toll that takes on him and how much of a toll that takes on the, the players. But he has been incredibly restrained uh, considering a lot of the public barbs that have been sent his way by management. And, you know, I think it would be difficult for most people to remain restrained in that situation. And even yesterday, you know, after the team practice, it was the first time uh, there was an availability after Jim Rutherford had spoken, you know, Boudreau wasn't asked directly about some of the comments, but he was kind of asked indirectly about the noise around the team and, Mm -hmm. He said, you know, I don't watch things. I don't read things. I just stick to what I'm doing. So, again, he took the high road. But, you know, you can see the wear on Bruce Boudreaux, right? Like oh, last yeah. year when he came in, it felt like every press conference he had was this kind of joyful celebration, right? And they're mm-hmm. cracking jokes. And he's having back and forth with the media. And there's this really positive environment. And this year, as the losses have stacked up, and remember, I mean, they start, started on the first road trip of the season, right? They over seven. Yeah. Uh, in the, for, for the first seven games were the Canucks. And so they've never really had a chance to build any of that kind of positive energy back up. And it, you can see it with Boudreaux. He wears his emotions on his sleeve to a certain extent. He gets frustrated with the players uh, and he gets frustrated with himself. And so it's ve- it's definitely a, a very different Bruce Boudreaux than the one we got acquainted with last year in Vancouver. And I think the the noise surrounding his position has a lot to do with that. I uh, played the clip coming in uh, with Rutherford, the famous, uh, you know, it's not minor surgery. It's going to be major yeah. surgery, essentially. Now, w- obviously, you look at the contracts. I'm up on their cap-friendly page. You see that the big one on the defense with Oliver ekman Larson. Uh, obviously, Tyler Myers is still owed a big chunk over the next couple seasons as well. Mm-hmm. W- obviously, there's Elias Pettersson's extension down the line. Andre Kuzmenko needs an extension. Where does the surgery begin? And, like, where would be, where would you start with this? Because it's just... I'm I'm baffled with like with, with how Bo Horvat keeps playing and playing. It could even be more expensive for him to get moved. 
Yeah, and it sounds like the surgery is going to start with Bo Horvat. I mean, yeah. that's certainly where all indications are. The you know, Andre Kuzmenko is an interesting one because as somebody on such a cheap uh, ticket for this year, he would have a lot of value even as a rental at the deadline. But the the recent reports are that they've had some positive talks already with his camp. It sounds like that's trending towards him sticking around. And you know, as you mentioned, Oliver Ekman Larson. That deal is not going anywhere unless they buy it out. And Mm -hmm. I don't think there's the appetite for a buyout. And plus, if they did buy him out this summer, you're talking about uh, a a hit on your cap until 2031. So that's like a long, long term dead cap hit to have. Right. So they could do that. I don't think they're going to, you know, Tyler Myers, he's due a signing bonus uh, at some point in the summer. So until that's paid out, it's going to be very difficult to move him. Mm -hmm. Plus he has a modified no trade contract, you know, Tanner Pearson was another guy that a lot of people looked at and said, okay, after this year, he's going to have one more year left. But now obviously with his health situation, that's completely secondary consideration. So you just kind of go through the names. And I think what Jim Rutherford, what he was alluding to with the minor versus major surgery thing, my interpretation was he thought that they could kind of remake the team's salary cap situation without moving any of the really good core players, right? And that would be, you know, Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, Thatcher Demko. And I think you could throw Bo Horvat in there as well. I think now, because of the difficulty of moving the other guys, right? And that's the players we've already talked about. That's Brock Besser, that's Connor Garland, who don't have a lot of value right now. I think what he's realized is, you know, the only way to start freeing up cap space and collecting some assets, because again, this is a team that needs draft picks, they need prospects, they need young roster players. The only way to do all of those things is to, you know, do what he says is major surgery, which involves trading a really good player like Bo Horvat. And then when you factor in the fact that, you know, I think they had a number in mind last summer. And again, Jim Rutherford kind of spoke to this. They've offered Bo Horvat deals that would have been fair prior to this season, right? Before he was on pace for 50 plus goals, almost 60 goals this year. I think that's the number they would have loved to get Bo Horvat signed to. It didn't work out. And now the number just keeps going up and up and up. So, look, I mean, with the Canucks, you never know. Because we all thought JT Miller was going to be traded on multiple occasions last summer. And then Labor Day weekend rolls around and boom, JT Miller has a long-term extension with the Canucks. So I'm not writing it off, the possibility, but they find some way to keep Bo Horvat around, that they take one last kick at the can. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for where the major surgery is going to start, it, it, it all indications are that it's going to be with Bo Horvat. Talking with Jamie Dodd, uh, co-host on Canucks Talk in Vancouver at Sportsnet 650, The Fan. Uh, Jamie, regarding the Aquilinis and this team, obviously ownership in Canada, it's it's your goal is to make the playoffs every year. That's just the way it is in this country. Uh, obviously, the fans are probably at their height of the most disappointed and fed up with the Canucks. They've been probably, I don't know, probably since the Messier days, maybe? What what happens yeah, with with the ownership and 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 how they want to go about this uh, this next because this is not going to be a one year fix. Yeah, well, look, I mean, certainly the the pattern in Vancouver going back a long time now. I mean, I mean, this could, you can even go back to like Dave Nonis in those days. The mm-hmm. pattern for a long time was if you're the GM and you miss the playoffs, you're losing your job, right? Like after that year that you missed the playoffs you're going to lose your job. Now the Jim Benning era broke that and Benning was able to hold on for a long time for a variety of different reasons, but you're right that there is still this perception. And I think it's an accurate perception that ownership would really prefer to be in the playoffs, to have that home playoff revenue year after year after year. 
I don't know how much of the resistance to more of a full-scale rebuild is directly from ownership versus how much of it is just what Jim Rutherford genuinely feels and genuinely thinks about this team. And, you know, we get questions all the time at 650 about, well, is this Rutherford or is this, is he just doing ownership bidding? And, you know, I look at Jim Rutherford with the resume he has, the career and the legacy he's had. I, I don't think he would take this job just to do somebody else's, put somebody else's vision in place. Right. I think he's being absolutely genuine and this is his, you know, these are his authentic ideas about what to do with the team. But I also think he probably gets the job because his ideas happen to align with ownership, right? I, I don't mm-hmm. know that ownership would hire somebody who was say, coming in and saying, we're going to have to do a full-scale tear, tear down. We might have to accept missing the playoffs for a few years in a row. But the funny thing to me is, and the thing that really uh, makes me frustrated is that I, I understand from a financial standpoint, the desire to make the playoffs year after year, but they're not doing that now. Right? They're trying <laughs> the strategy of avoiding a rebuild, and you're still missing the playoffs yeah. consistently. They've made the playoffs once, and it was in the bubble since that 2015 series against Calgary. That was the last time they had a home playoff day mm-hmm. at Rogers Arena. It was way back in 2015. So the, if, even if your goal, even if you want to prioritize consistent playoff dates, the strategy that you're using right now isn't working. And I'm not even saying it's invalid to want those playoff dates. I get it. It's a business. You're trying to make money, but this strategy is not getting you those dates. And I don't really see that changing, at least on a consistent basis. You never know. Thatcher Demko comes back next season, gets hot. Elias Patterson has another great year. Yeah, you could sneak into the playoffs, but are you going to be able to do it consistently and maybe even go in a deep run? That's where I'm not sure. And that's why, you know, even from a business standpoint, I I think more of a full-scale long-term rebuild would make the most sense. How much, and I know they're in they're in a decent position right now in come lottery time, but how much would the hometown kid and Connor Bedard change a lot of things in Vancouver? I, I mean, it, it would change everything. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, short of winning the Stanley Cup, and, and this is, I don't think this is hyperbole, short of winning the Stanley Cup, it's the single best thing that could happen to the Vancouver Canucks franchise. I mean, this is a, a, a true generational, once-in-a-decade type prospect Mm -hmm. who happens to be from my hometown of North Vancouver happens to be an absolute diehard mega (laughs) Canucks fan checks every possible box you could want. Obviously every team in the league would be absolutely thrilled to land Connor Bedard, but for Vancouver, it's even just that much more special. You could not design a player in a lab who would be a better fit for the Vancouver Canucks. So yeah, it would it would absolutely change everything. The conversation around this team changes overnight. The optimism, the hope, all of it's restored if you land Connor Bedard. And I understand, you know, look, they're not catching Anaheim or the teams like that in the standing. So you're probably, I think right now, if the season ended, it would be a seven and a half percent chance. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fans who will tell you, oh, the Canucks are cursed. It'll never happen. I don't buy that. I still think hey, you, you got to at least maintain that 7.5% chance. Because, again, it's, we're talking Connor Bedard. We're not talking a normal first mm-hmm. overall pick. We're talking somebody who changes your franchise overnight. you got to give yourself the best odds at, at being the one to, uh, to realize that reward. I don't know how many on this side of the Rockies would be too thrilled about that, uh, seeing as they got the other Connor up the road. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't want Connor to cave it in one city and Connor Bedard in the other one? When's Calgary's time, damn it? But no, no, I, I get that. Like, Bedard, for sure. Like, I, I talk about that. I'm like, 
you, you look at the franchise who really would need the spark. And obviously you, you look at Chicago, they have, they, but they've, they've, they've got the cups in recent time and everything. But yeah, I think you look at the teams that would really need Bedard. And I, I kind of put Vancouver in that, in that, in that, in that stratosphere of like a guy that could just reignite a franchise that's been in NHL purgatory really since the 2012 season, it feels like. Well, I agree. And I mean, I think overall, just as a hockey fan, I want to see Connor Bedard go to a market that really likes hockey, yeah. right? And that, you know, Chicago checks that box, Montreal, there are other ones. I wouldn't be too thrilled with Arizona <laughs> or Anaheim or something like that. But Vancouver checks that box as well. And look, I, you know, I've never been a, a Canada's team guy who cheers for the last Canadian team in the playoffs or anything like that. But having said that, I think again, as a, as just a hockey fan, the NHL is more enjoyable when the Canadian teams are good. I mean, look at what we've got out of the battle of Alberta Mm -hmm. uh, in recent seasons. That's been fantastic. That doesn't happen if one of the two teams is lottery bound every year. Right. So I, I do think it would be tremendous, you know, obviously for Canucks fans, but for fans across Canada as well to get the Canucks kind of back in the conversation, right? Like get them involved in, in rivalries with Edmonton and Calgary, which have kind of uh, lay fallow a little bit here yeah. because the Canucks have been struggling. So look, I agree. It probably is not uh, sitting well with, uh, with your listeners in Calgary <laughs> to the idea of Connor Bedard coming in and breathing new life to the Canucks. But if you're just looking for kind of drama and yeah. great matchups and all of that, yeah, it would go a long way. Uh, one more for you, Jamie. Tonight, uh, the Canucks back at it after uh, some time off. Uh, they're taking on the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, this evening. Uh, what's uh, what's going to be the vibe, you think, in the building, obviously coming off that press conference with, with all that's going on? Do you, what, what, are you, what are you expecting tonight? Man, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I, really know, I really don't know. I'm going to be at the game. I'm going to be doing the intermission okay. for us on 650 and you know the vibe at Canucks games has been off a lot this year right there's been jerseys on the ice mm-hmm. there's been chants there's been you know signs uh, that that have been a little snarky from time to time the interesting thing is you look at the the road trip they just finished and bad results one and four right they they get the shootout win against carolina to wrap it up but the last three games they were right in at the final minute pushing really really hard uh, to get a tying goal. You know, they fought, when they played Tampa in Tampa, Vasilevsky had to make an incredible save in the dying seconds to preserve it. And even the game against Carolina, you know, Brock Besser scored with, I think, 17 seconds left uh, to, to tie that game up in a game where they were down to nothing, easily could have quit. The team is still working for Bruce Boudreaux. And I don't know what their reaction is going to be to what Jim Rutherford had to say, because Jim Rutherford didn't just have criticism for Bruce Boudreaux, he had mm. very direct criticism of the team as well, right? Saying that, yeah, they have good players, but are we actually a team? Do we do we play for each other? You know, how many of these win at all cost games have we really seen this year? Saying that the team needs major surgery, right? Saying that it's not the core players, but it's the other players that they need to move. Well, if you're not a core player, how does that make you feel? So there was plenty of opportunity for the team to kind of be annoyed and come out with something to prove. The problem is they've been in that position before. And they've still come out flat. So I wish I could predict what kind of performance we we're going to see uh, from the Canucks tonight. The mood, I'll say this, if they get down big, you know, multiple goals, I think the mood is going to be pretty restless, pretty ugly, because that's how it's been all season at Rogers Arena. And I don't think what Jim Rutherford had to say uh, this week is going to change that. Not at all. Uh, thank you so much, Jamie. Uh, have a good, uh, good game tonight. We'll do this again soon. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
There's Jamie Dodd, Canucks Talk co-host. We'll be doing the pre uh, the uh, the intermissions as well for the Canucks and Lightning uh, tonight out in Vancouver. And of course, Jamie joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Dine in, pick up, or have your game day special delivered. Find out why Atlas Pizza is a 14-time Consumer Award winner, 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast, or call 403-248-3344. I had a really good conversation earlier today, uh, earlier on the show at 7.30 with uh, Ron McLean. We're going to replay that and uh, maybe get you some uh, Tyler Toffoli audio as well from yesterday. Uh, as they held, as the Flames held an off-ice workout, it is a Flames game day. They get ready for the Colorado Avalanche tonight, seven o'clock, uh, seven thirty. Puck drop right here on Sportsnet nine six. The fan uh, Flames talk uh, warm. The Flames warm up will go at six with Pat Steinberg. Uh, you can catch all the action right here on Sportsnet nine six. The fan, and of course, watch it over on Sportsnet West. We'll hear from the great Ron McLean next here on Sportsnet nine six. The fan.